I want to, well, actually, I'm looking at one verse. I'll get to it in a minute. What um, arrested me as Marshall was reading Psalm 17 in verse 5, it says, My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. And that fits in with what I'm going to say this morning. And I want you just to take note of that. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. But where I'm looking specifically is in Proverbs 3 and in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from all healing, uh, evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. The, the trouble with that verse is everybody knows it. Uh, and if you want to read it in most houses, you don't need a Bible. It's on the refrigerator. And so... There's a good thing about that, but the trouble with any verse that we are familiar with, you don't really hear it after a while. You know it too well, and so it just slides over the top of your head. And I want to just stop and look at it verse word by word until we grasp what it's really saying to us. It's a, it's a good reason that, that it's a familiar verse because it is unusual. It takes everything to do with our everyday life, moment-by-moment moment living, and reminds us very strongly there is no separation, that all my ways, all my pathways, my steps, they are entangled with the Lord, all of them. And therefore, there is no separation. In all our ways, we are entangled with his ways. And so, there is nothing spiritual about being here this morning any more than it was for you to be at breakfast this morning. Uh, spiritual is one of those ghastly words that religion invented because religion had to also have secular. Secular means the place where God is not. And religion has that. God is not outside these doors, says religion. This is a spiritual place. And I say that is absolute rubbish because this place is a building that, and that's about all I can say about it, it's a building and it's very convenient for us to come and meet here. And so your house is a very convenient place to have breakfast and your House is a very convenient place to have relationship to your family, but you cannot think of one is spiritual and the other is secular. There is no holy place, only holy persons, and holy persons who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And, and this verse, it is telling me that in my work, whatever that is, in my home, in all my relationships, wherever they are, there is the active presence 
of God working in all that, my ways, my footsteps in life, I say it again, are entangled with God. There is no separation. There's no point where you're off duty and now it's up to you and you're you're doing something that, well, well again, we love the world and we you're backslidden or what is another word, in the flesh. It gets, or you entangle, it's like taking a centipede to walk. Um, for goodness sake, you is you and in you is the Holy Spirit and if you backslide, he backslides with you. There is no path you take but that he is not there in, in every possible way. And for that reason, I say, it's, it's, it's become a very familiar, even people who don't understand everything it's saying, this, this word um, is addressing us at every point of life. So let's take it apart quickly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. An interesting uh the word lean there it, it's um, a word normally used for a person who is somewhat crippled and they have a crutch or they have a walking stick and they they lean on it and if you take it away you'd fall over and that's that's the word there and and it's saying lean not to your own understanding as you go through life, do not use the walking stick. Do not use the cane of your own understanding, which puts trust in a very interesting fashion that trust really is free fall. If you say, if you take away my stick, if you take away my crutch, I'm going to fall over. Well, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's free fall. Let's trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. What's your own understanding? Well, it's the way we believe that life is supposed to be. Now, of course, that differs from person to person. Um, But everybody has their own belief system. And that belief system includes God into it, whatever they believe about God. And therefore, it includes me into that as to wherever I see me and it includes everything that happens in my life, and that there's a certain something inside of us. It's our understanding that the way things truly are and the way they're supposed to be, so that when they happen, we feel okay about it, because, well, that's what we expected. That's what we hoped for. It's our understanding. You could also say it's your opinion, and when you get into um, a, a... a crowd of people and you start to voice your opinion they voice their opinion and you have all the understandings of people as to what life is supposed to be like well this verse is really saying would you just sweep all those out put them in the trash because um they're all off they're all off they have a basis human understanding is based essentially on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's where it all begins. And and without going into what all that means, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, at its heart, because along with it, you remember the satanic lie was, you shall be as God. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It means that you are participating in a system in which you believe that you can determine what is good. 
and you determine what is evil. And that is not only moral good. The word is used in the Old Testament to describe what we would say, have a good day. It it means pleasant. It it means uh, happy. It it means um, I'm glad that's happening. I, I feel good about it. It's a good day as well as moral good and moral evil. Evil also means I don't like it. It means it's painful, it's hurtful. I wish it wasn't happening. And so we sit like like a fat spider in the middle of its web and we decide this is good and this is evil. Trouble is, of course, sometimes what was evil at breakfast is good by afternoon because we are so in chaos in our minds we don't know what is good and evil and, and therefore to lean on that and build your life on that, well, I'll leave it there, it doesn't work. We, we we are looking at life as it's supposed to be in a self-turn-towards-self-life world. And, see, we're created not to be independent. That's the heart of it. We are created to trust or free fall into the arms of another and to receive life not originated we are dependent upon him in in the sense that he is going to instruct us. He shall teach us. And he shall teach us not by an outward code or formula, but by his presence within us. So trust him. I, I'm, I'm stuck on free fall this morning. But it, it's it, there is that sense in which if I trust the Lord, I abandon my cane. And I I don't know, can I walk? Can I walk? This is terrifying. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, but lean on your cane. Trust the Lord, but at least keep the cane in your hand. That it says, free fall. Trust in the Lord with all, all your heart. All your heart. And notice it doesn't say with all your mind. Because many of the time, many of the time, um, I plain don't understand. I, I, I sit here every Sunday, and last weekend we did the Bible school, and, and I sat here for nearly 14 hours, and, and we pontificate upon God. And when all is said and done, I have not really addressed your brain, because how can I make sense by my brain? And yet, in so speaking, our heart resonates. My heart understands And that's not something spiritual. Your heart, physically speaking now, your heart has a brain. Did you know that? And it's a brain that is stronger than this brain. And it's a heart that has intuitive knowledge. You know, and sometimes you don't know how you know. And this brain goes nuts and and says, but, 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 but. But my heart brain says, I know, I know. And, And it says, with all your heart, with all your heart, um, let let your heart expand to receive what is the true knowledge of God, not our opinion that we made up last night over pizza. Um, what what? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But He who created me, He who died and rose again in me and with me, He knows who I am. 
And so I discard my cane of my own opinions about God and about myself, which then trickles down into my opinions about how I treat um, everybody else in life, how I look at my boss, how I look at my fellow workers, how, how I look at my husband, my wife. my it, Everything is included in that. And he says, lean not to your own understanding. There's a higher way. It's a higher way. And what is that higher way? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And that's where this word ways comes in, that the other verse in in Psalm 17 hinted at, um, steps. Ways, it, it was in days before they had concrete paths. It, they, they didn't have tarmac roads. Uh, there, a path was made by continually using it. And, and it was your, your steps. As, as your feet went down into the grass, the grass soon died if enough people put their foot there. And, and after a time, it was just dirt. And after a time, the dirt was solidified and it became a path. It, a path is, is the way you continually put your steps and that's the, the meaning um, all the way through the, the Old Testament anyway, where they, that's the, that was a road, that was their path, and that's how the word means. And it means the decisions, the thoughts that become the words and the actions that make up my life, and that becomes the ways of my life, the ways. Now, I don't know if you've realized it, but the ways on which you walk are actual physical pathways in your brain. Uh, I'm not a neuroscientist, but on very good authority. Um, In your brain, what you continually think, what you commit yourself to believing is the way of life will make an actual path, an actual path. And if you've got the right machinery, you can look inside your brain and see the path. And not only see the path, but see when you're walking on it. And you'll see the little lights as you are walking on the path. Um, the pathways in your brain take up physical space. We, we think, well, a thought, you know, a thought just passes through your head. No, no it doesn't. Um, when you begin to think it twice and three times, and when it becomes the way you look, and every time you look at that, you, you go down that path, that, that becomes an actual physical pathway in your brain. Think, think about that. Um, your actions are not out here. They begin in your brain. And many of our actions out here have been acting long weeks in your brain before they get into physical action. Your your words, and sometimes you will say words to people and then say, "Where, where did that come from? Well, you've actually been saying it and it's been forming a path in your brain this long time. Do you understand? This is, this is not just saying some formula to do. This is where um, the whole psycho world messes up. We've got to change your behavior. 
Well, I can't change my behavior, not really change it, uh, until I've changed the pathways that are deeper, the pathways in my brain, pathways also in my heart, which control the two um, work together. And, and so what I believe, and, and so, some of you here are going through a great change in what you believe. Um, that's good. There's uh, danger men at work uh, on your pathways. <laughs> they're breaking up old freeways and they're putting in new pathways. And I'm, I'm for real. That's what is happening. And sometimes that can be very confusing can be very frustrating as you're sitting in a mile long of traffic because they're breaking something up and, and changing it. Uh, but that is actually what is happening. It's happening all over the world right now to many evangelicals who are no longer, they've just gone down the same old pathways, same old pathways, and the professors in school have just taught the same old stuff because that's what the professor taught them. And suddenly in the last 20 years, there has been... A, a massive breaking up, and people have realized the, these pathways are leading nowhere. And so it's what you believe. And I have to ask you, and I cannot give the answer, but I ask you, what do you now, what do you now believe concerning the being of God? Who is he? Who is he? Um, and I know, as I say, for some of you, what you believe God is right now is not what you believed a year ago. There's been a lot of breaking up in, in your heart and mind. Um, and it's what we believe. And therefore, let me repeat what then I hope for. I, if, if the pathway is there, I expect that pathway to work like I expected it to work. And, and I walk down it. It's my hopes and when it doesn't work, then we get frustrated and depressed and anxious. What's happening? It didn't lead where I hoped it would. And that's why the breakup begins. And notice this word all. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. This is not, and forgive me, I'm saying it again twice, but this is not dealing with spiritual issues unless you realize all of life is spiritual. This is not dealing with that little tiny bit of life called ministry. It's not to do with what you do when you've got a Bible in your hand. That, that's all, it's, it's, flush it down the toilet. It's, 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 no, forget it. This is what you do in all of life, every decision. There's a pathway that leads you to do it that way or not do it. Uh, it, it's it's all of our ways. That is the this is the center, the ways that are etched in our brain by the tip tap tip tap of stepping. You've been stepping that way for a long time, and it makes the ways. Well, this is the center of it. In all your ways, in all the ways in which you, in your heart, brain, and your trying to understand brain, it, it's it's the way we are. It's the way we look at God. It's the way we look at ourselves. It's the way we look at everybody else. So the way I speak is is not... Well, it doesn't come from here. Speaking doesn't start there. And I don't say just in order to 
sound impressive. I might do that. But if if you listen to a person 24-7 over the next two months, you'll find out what they really believe. And you'll find out that there, there's a pattern, a speech pattern, a way of talking to people, a way of looking at other people, a way of talking to yourself about yourself. Listen over the next two months, not just when you're in company or when you want people to think you're fantastic, but just as you live your life, how do you talk to yourself about yourself? How do you talk to other people? How do you look at other people? It's the ways, it's the ways of our brain and our heart. Uh, the, the way you, you talk to God reveals so much of how you really know him, really believe, and that's got nothing to do with what the church has told you to believe. It's, I think, at least the folks here are nodding gently, and so that would indicate you guys out there in Zoom are getting it too, in all our ways. They, they begin in our true heart, our true center and let me say it again, there's a real physical pathway that, we've, that becomes the pathway of our life. And now I, I don't want to condemn anybody. I certainly don't, what I'm saying, I don't intend it to condemn. But you see, many, 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 many times we are healthy or sick depending on our pathways. The many of the pathways of fear lead you directly physically to what you fear. That's biblical. Fear is a magnet that draws to you what you fear. And if if my pathways are lacking in love, divine love, then fear usually controls life. And, and I won't waste time talking about all the different fears. Uh, we're adults. We know what we're talking about, fears of everything. Um, but perfect love casts out all fear. And, and I read it, and although it's not really part of what I'm talking about, I read that verse where it says that if you do this, it shall be health, health to all your bones. It, it shall be uh, the vitality of life. And... What can I say? It is so. We, we, we. I, I think most of us have been exposed in the last what uh, fifty years to what has been known as the charismatic movement. Um, I was one of the leaders of it, so I'm not against it. But um, it, it was, you know, I, I'm sick. Come and touch me. Zap me. Knock me over, and, and and if I fall down, I'm going to be healed. And of course, that that happened a lot. Happens a lot. I believe in that. But there's something grander in Scripture that I do not live my life by a series of mini explosions. I I don't I don't live my Christian life by multitude of peaks and then a multitude of lows it, it isn't something is happening out here uh, sister xyz touches me and i fall over and now i'm healed 
you know, but you get sick again because your head is sick. Your head is sick. You, you, you've got pathways in your brain that have determined I'm going to be sick. That it, as soon as they announce it, that it's this time of year, then your brain says, walk down this pathway, you're going to be sick. They announce it, that this is, a, you know, pandemic. Okay, well, I've got to get sick. I've got to get with it. You know, be cool, join the crowd. And I, that sounds cruel to some of you that have been sick. And that's why I say I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you that there is a glorious way of life in which we are thinking the thoughts of God with God and we see ourselves as God sees us, not only in our bodies, but more importantly in our very inner being. It's not, I I went to this place and I got gloriously zapped and I feel good and no, it's not that. It's it's a stable. It's step by step by step. And, and we put our foot down and we, we live that. And, and we, we see ourselves as God sees us. In all our ways, in all our ways, acknowledge him. It's, it's in our business. It's in our, as I say, there's nothing spiritual. It's all spiritual. Every decision that passes over that pathway and there's millions of them but they they fit into the pathways in all our ways acknowledge him now that's one of those words it's a big word and today as with many words it has been so devalued we don't even know what it means uh in fact it's so devalued i don't hear it very much but um, in the process of my growing up after the last decades um, that there would be I don't know if you've ever said it I acknowledged him I I met somebody on the street and I acknowledged them I don't know if you use that no well it, 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 it meant in the period from when it meant what it really means to what it means today which is nothing uh, but in between there, it was used as acknowledge it meant I waved. I acknowledge you're there, um, not of the head. Um, when I was growing up a hundred years ago, um, you know, the, in high school, if you met a lady on the street, you had to touch your cap and say, ma'am, I acknowledged. Didn't mean to say I liked her. Didn't mean to say I ever wanted to see her again. It just meant I acknowledged that she's a lady. I'm a kid in high school. I'm supposed to say something nice. Um, I, I think you get what I mean. It's, it was a nod. It was a wave. It was and quickly forgotten. Well, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. The, the word means that I acknowledge, I absorb who that person is and I give them the respect and the honor that fits who they are if okay if you see a car with a red light coming up behind you you acknowledge that that is a duly appointed police officer and you give the respect and the honor you submit to them in whatever they've got that red light on for, right? 
You're you're not just touching your cap as he goes by. You it's more than that, and, and you could carry that through all of that kind of illustration of this. But you understand, acknowledge at heart means that th- this person. there's a reason about this person that I respect them. And I suppose when I was growing up, the reason we did what we were taught to do is because you're children, you're teenagers, and therefore you're supposed to give respect and honor to adults. That was the British way of thinking. Um, But that's what it is. I, I acknowledge the person for who they truly are, all that they represent, and I submit to it. I'm going to say yes, because what they have, who they are, demands that I submit to that. that. That's Well, I come to God in all your ways, acknowledge him. It, it means that I recognize who God is. I come back to that. The, the real, who is he, re- who really is God? God is love, and therefore I realize I honor him as that. I'm giving respect. I'm I'm submitting. I'm bowing my whole person to the fact that God is love. And I, I bow to the intention of that love, which began before time began, the very reason, the blueprint of my existence is that he, this love that is beyond comprehension, love willed to bring you and I into existence in order that we be adopted into the Holy Trinity family. That's the intention. That's the reason I'm here. That's the meaning of life. I submit to that. Make sense? No, not really, um, if, if that's the route you want to go. But he has announced himself, announced himself very plainly, for he came, Jesus, and again I submit to the fact that he is God from God. He is of one being with the Father. To meet Jesus is to meet with God. And therefore in him has come the absolute truth. It's not a dead, flat doctrine. It means I submit to this. I've thrown away my opinions. I've thrown away the cane of my own understanding, and I'm I'm not the know-it-all. I submit to a revelation of who God is that has come to me in the face of Jesus Christ and is being now presented within me by the Holy Spirit that says who he is and therefore who I am. That's going to change my experience. That's going to change my speech. It's going to cause major road work on all the paths inside my heart and head. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It's metanoia. You know that word, that other terrible word that the Middle Ages translated, that Greek word, you know repentance never use that word um it, it, repentance means to do penance again and again and again and again well 
that means do good works in order to present yourself to an angry God. No, metanoia, the Greek word, religion translated that Greek into English, and so it should never be. Uh, Stick with just metanoia. It means a radical, radical change of mind or even exchange of mind. It, It means a radical breaking up of existing pathways to the rebuilding of a new system of ways which will in due time produce new ways of looking at life, new ways of living life, new ways of talking, new ways of thinking. The self for myself has been replaced by trust in the Lord, the Lord being the face of Jesus Christ. And so we throw away our cane. We free fall into who God says he is. And that's when new ways begin to be built. So it's saying what I've been saying, that he's not a remote God floating disconnected from our lives that we check in with. Um, You know, and again, I don't say this to condemn, uh, it's just a commentary on life, that today, and certainly next Sunday, there'll be more people in church than have been since Midnight Mass. And... um, that's it as long as we you know we we go to church well that means god's disconnected i i live 99.9% of my year without any thought of a living real present god certainly a god who has revealed himself as father and son and holy spirit that's for sure He's disconnected. He's G-O-D. He's somewhere up. And I don't want to know him really because anything I've ever been taught about him, he's always upset. He's always annoyed with me. And he's, he just can't wait for me to trip up and then he can punish me. And um, and that's not a caricature. That's the real thing. Um, so I don't wonder. Sneak into church three times a year disconnected, done my job, don't want to meet him again. Um, But what I'm saying here is I use it an entanglement. He's entwined. The pathways, the pathways. You couldn't get closer than that because this is, I'm, I'm thinking my job all day long. I'm thinking family. I'm thinking relationships. And he's entwined in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Um, and this is the the controlling system of our spiritual, mental, emotional health, wholeness. Acknowledge, but see, the word is bigger than that. So, put that on hold. It's it's that. It's all of that. But did you know? You see how it's spelled in English anyway, but the English reflects the Hebrew and the Greek. 
A-C- K-N-O-W L-E-D-G-E Did you notice right in the middle of the word is no. And in the Hebrew language, that's what it is. We, we've made it acknowledge, acknowledge. But in the Hebrew, the word is simply no. And that word in Hebrew, yada, you might have heard me talk about it. It's, and there's a, a, a sister word in the Greek of the New Testament that it's the same no. It's that intimate no. Most times we use no in West, in the West, in America, in the UK, Europe. Most times we say no, we mean no about. You come out of college and you say you know the subject. You don't know a thing about it. Um, you, you filled your head with facts, passed the exam, then opened the trap door, let all the facts fall out to make room for the next bunch. <laughs> and it means absolutely nothing. I, I'd never hire anybody just because they've been to college. It would be useless. They don't know a thing. And, um, and I mean that. That's yeah. the truth. We know about stuff and say we know it. We don't know anything. We, we, you know, that, and of course, that Facebook, the stupidity, you're a friend, you never met the chap, I, I don't know, you're not a friend, a, a friend is knowing, it's this word, knowing someone, it takes time, it, it's, it's a word that really has no end to it, you're always in the process of this word, knowing, it's the most intimate word. Because it's used in the Old Testament especially to describe marriage and the act of marriage. It uses this word. First time use is is Genesis 4, where, where it says, Adam knew this word, his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. It, it's, it means the most intimate that human beings know. Um, and so it means firsthand. You, you can't... No second hand. You can't. It's impossible. Um, you know about, you know, Sherry told me something. I know about it. But only Sherry knows it. I don't. I know about it because it was second hand. I wasn't there. And, and um, so this, this word we, means I, I was, it's an experiential knowing. I know because I was there. I know because I heard it's what they're doing when they're cross-examining you in the court. When you say this happened, well, were you there? Did you see it? And they press you because they're after this word. You know it, and you can't be shaken about it. It's knowing. So, it says, in all your ways, know him intimately. In all your ways, don't merely... You know, touch your cap to God and say hello. Um, in all your ways, know him. In, in this moment, in this act, know him experientially. That's what it's saying. You're living out from his real love, not something they told you about. And so um, that means, a, again, we're metanoia. It's a total change of all the pathways of our head. That, that we're now seeing everything in the light, in the final light of love that will not let us go. Love 
designed us, love created us in order to love us, in order to be love within us. That, that changes absolutely everything. It, it changes, as I said earlier, um, fear that here I am a derived creature. That means I'm dependent. I'm always receiving. Well, sin is believing a lie. That's the essence of sin. And, and believing a lie messes up your whole head to the point where it says you're in a profound darkness. You, you don't even recognize your, your creator. It's a sort of dementia that you, you look at people that you thought, you know, that you should know them and you don't know them. That's sin. Sin is, is really losing your mind, losing your mind to the lie that you can be independent and run your own life and you're in the center of that design. It's for me. Now that's, that's changed. And I realize I'm a derived, I'm a receiving creature. I, I'm, I'm always receiving. I, I derive from another. I'm dependent. And what am I receiving but love? This incredible love in every movement of my life. I live in an energy field of love. I'm upheld by love. Love is ahead of me, beside me, behind me, under me, and over me. In him I live, I move, I have my being. That's changing inner pathways. I'm now thinking entirely differently, and I might not be aware of this. Maybe I'm awakening you this morning to see how the change is going on in you. You're, see, perfect love, as I said, casts out all fear. That's anxiety, worry, concern, overcare, cast out. Well, you see, religion taught us if, if you fear, well, now you've got to confess that as sin. I mean, you, you've, you've messed up, man. You're supposed to be a Christian and you fear, and your fear caused you to be angry. Oh, it's getting worse by the minute. And your fear of somebody caused you to envy them. Your fear of somebody caused you to rage at them and now you hold bitterness and I'm thinking, this is a messed up life. You better confess. 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 That's all you do, isn't it? Confess. It gets boring after a while. Um, confess. But that's not the meaning of it. Not if you know him. <sighs> He's the author of love, not you. You don't have to be independent and produce a life that looks like love so this miserable God will be pleased with you. No, he made me derived. He made me to receive. And therefore, when I fear or I'm anxious, I don't come negative and saying, I shouldn't do this. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. Sorry, 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 sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Confession is saying the same thing as. That's the meaning of the word. So confess is to say the same thing about the way you are as God says. It's 
Confession is not telling God about your sin. Confession is telling your sin about God. Total difference. And so what do I do? I'm anxious. And I say, Father, this, I'm anxious. I, I don't know what to do with it. If I did, I wouldn't be anxious. So here it is. I receive your love as a deriving life. It isn't trying to be better. It isn't saying I'll try to do better. Nor is it saying, oh God, give me. It's saying here it is, but I live by you and therefore I receive your love. And what does love look like? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is not rude. Love doesn't fly off the handle. You, You know. That's his love. That's not human love that I've got to try to reach. I know this is upsetting, but Christianity isn't about changing your behavior. Christianity isn't about perfection. I know religion gave you that, but it's not in the Bible. It doesn't say you've got to be perfect. It means recognize you're imperfect and receive his life for the moment. For the moment, mind you doesn't mean to say you still have it tomorrow morning you you live moment by moment by moment and and that that's you know him this is experience i don't know about love i am receiving love love is gloriously invading me I, i am being changed at the pathway level by love and i receive it and the amazing thing is you do receive it And the amazing thing is, perfect love does cast out all fear. And that does change your attitude toward others. Does that make sense? It's so important because I see people who still think Christianity is a perfect behavior. And I've got to keep struggling and trying and then present that perfect behavior to God, expecting him to, you know, those wretched people i'm sure you've met them in your own life who wear the white gloves after you've cleaned and they put it down and say look it's still dirty and that's god no it's not god became flesh god became one of us he knows us better than we know ourselves he's been to the depths of darkness deeper than some of us have been to in order that he knows us and loves us at our worst and becomes to us everything that we're not. We derive. We're, we're not in charge of good and evil. It's the tree of life. Life is not me sitting there saying, that's good, that's evil. I'll do this, I won't do that. It is the life of Christ himself being given to me in this moment, in this moment. In this moment that I'm doing this, I come as a derived person. I, I come receiving if I thought I had to give something to you this morning, I'd die of fright. I, I wouldn't know what to say. It would clamp up my brain. And I'm serious, very serious. But instead, I, I come to be receiving. And not a great big clump at the beginning, but second by second as I'm talking. It's life. Leah receives her songs. Same way. You see... Jesus is the wisdom of God. Or to put it another way, he is the way of love. That's wisdom. 
Now, this brings out a very interesting thing. In the book of Proverbs, he, Jesus is spoken of, not, not plainly, but it's, wisdom is spoken of as a person. And in chapter 8 of Proverbs, it speaks that wisdom is there at the very beginning in creation. And so wisdom, which is the way of God's love in everyday life, that is outlined in the book of Proverbs, is actually Jesus. He is wisdom. And so when it says in Proverbs, seek after wisdom like buried treasure, wisdom is Jesus. And wisdom became flesh. So how Jesus lived is the wisdom that we were created to live by. How do you think of, of Jesus in terms of his life? Why, why was Jesus here? Jesus was not here to show us what God was like, except in the broadest sense. Jesus was not here floating five feet above the ground, doing wonderful works and saying, look, I'm God, you know, now you, you peons try and be like me. Well, I, I was raised on that. Um, no, Jesus is God who became human. That blows your mind. But John uses that other word, flesh. And flesh is more than human. You might have noticed the New Testament is very strong about flesh. Flesh is a human living out of their mortality, out of their flesh. But that takes it to a very great... Flesh is human royally messed up. Flesh is human in that profound darkness. Flesh is human with dementia. Don't even recognize God, their father. Jesus became that. Jesus got inside our broken, messed up lives and from the inside chose to live as we were always created. Or you could say, he came to Adam as Adam was after he ate of the fruit and believed the lie. Jesus joined us there and then took Adam back and redid the whole thing and refused to listen to the satanic lie. And Jesus is human, God in human, showing us how to be human. He is telling us it takes God to be human. He became one of us and then refused to be Adam. And he revealed what we were supposed to be, living a derived life. And he lived in complete free-fall abandonment to the Father. And he did so just where we live. You know, he, when he was 12 years old, remember? He said when, when he was lost in the temple or at least his parents were lost. <laughs> he was not lost, but 
You remember the story I'm talking about. And when they found him, he says, did you not know I must be about my father's business? His father's business. His father's business. I mean, the kid's only 12. Because I've heard sermons on that. It was how he healed the sick. and No, no, no. That was going to come when he was 30 years old. He's only 12. So what was his father's business? It was being a teenager, learning carpentry from his supposed father, being a teenager. And it says, do you remember that in Luke chapter 2, it says he submitted himself to his parents. A teenager submitted himself to his parents. Learn carpentry. And it was so ordinary, there's no record. You know, he got up in the morning and had porridge or scrambled eggs or something. Went to work with his father and came home. And he banged his finger more than once as he learns how to put a nail in and goes out and hacks down the trees and makes gates and doors and he comes home and he has dinner and goes to bed and wakes up and has porridge or scrambled eggs and do you realize it was he so lived our life that there's no record except at the end when the father says you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased well pleased he had, we say today he's not done anything he's not in ministry he's not even a deacon no he was a carpenter swept out the store that was his father's business his father's business was being so human no one recognized him for who he was even the people who lived with him for 30 years his next door neighbors when he said he was messiah they took him to stone him because they says, you're blaspheming. Who do you think you are? You're the carpenter. His father's business. His father's business. And it says in that same context, in Luke 2.57, it says that he advanced. I actually forget what it does say in English, but... The, the Greek word there, he had advanced with force. It means you would have a machete in your hand and you're carving a way through an impenetrable forest and you're making a path that has never been made before. And that's the word in the Greek language to, to what is it, to, to move forward with blows. That's the word, it, you move forward with blows. It's also used uh, of um, when, when you worked with iron. Um, you, well, no, some, those of you who live here in the hill country, we're, we're surrounded by horse ranches here. And so a very important chap is the, they call him the farrier. He's the one who takes a piece of iron and puts it in the fire. Have you ever seen this? He puts it in the fire and then starts pounding on it, pounding on it puts it back in the fire, pounds on it, pounds on it, until he makes a horseshoe. Okay. 
That's the word. That's that word where it says in Luke 2.57 that Jesus advanced. Jesus, what was he doing? He took our human life. God came and lived our human life, but he refused to be Adam. And so he's pounding it with choices and choices and choices. And what were the choices? He said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I, uh, I only say what I hear my father saying. So he's saying, I put my step, put my step. No one, no, no human had ever walked that path before. And therefore it was with blows. He's coming against the entire human race. The human who is living a human life that's never been lived before. It's like pounding, pounding, or hacking, hacking. And it is with choices that make a pathway, step by step by step, in the brain of the incarnate God. He had a human brain in which by choices he works the actions Well, what does that look like? Have you ever wondered? I only do what I see my father doing. Have you seriously? I've I've heard some marvelous things, you know, that he had visions, saw his father doing. No, No, it can't be that because that would mean he's not like us. Well, anyway, not like me. Uh, (laughs) I don't get visions of life. How about making Jesus as real as he really was and is? He says, I only do what I see my Father doing. That is, I only make the ways that are my Father's ways. Or that first verse that Marshall read, the steps are your ways, your... your Supposing a leper is coming toward him, Everything in the Jewish culture of that day, everything that was in the box of religion that came out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil says, don't touch the leper. In fact, it's written in their law, you keep, uh, they've got it down to feet and inches, how far you've got to be away. And if the wind is blowing toward you, it's got to change the whole you don't get near a leper because that's a curse of God. And No, don't touch them. You'll get the disease. That's what everything Jesus had been raised with said. Can I suggest that Jesus says, Father, what are you doing right now? And in that split second... He has an inner knowing, inner seeing of the Father saying, I'm touching the leper and giving him healing. And so Jesus went and embraced the leper and put his hand and broke the curse on leprosy that had been there for generations. And and, and the disciples are arguing as to who would be the greatest. And Jesus says, Father, what are you saying to these guys right now? And instantly he... And that knowing is not... 
People love the weird. You know, have you noticed people who have associated being filled with the Spirit is shaking and falling and talking in funny voices and old King James English? They can't. Have you ever noticed that? They give a prophecy and it's all these and thous. Well, what do you do that for? God doesn't. God quotes plain English. Um, I'm, I'm very serious because when I talk like this, you can have some weird interpretations of what I'm saying. I don't mean you get trembling and shaking. It's as simple as me sitting here and listening to what you say, and I'm saying, Father, what are you saying? And then just I get a word or two that's, and it's not unusual. I mean, I just, because Jesus came to show us we're derived people. We lean not to our own understanding. Dear God, what am I going to do here? Um, I, I'm, I'm living from another. We live from Jesus. And Jesus is living right now from the Father. He said, didn't he? Have you ever, just to wrap this bit up, he said, of my own self I can do nothing. Have you ever heard a sermon on that? Jesus saying I can't do anything. He said it plainly, of my own self I can do nothing. I derive my life. Now that's the faith of Christ. And that faith of Christ took him to the cross. What what am I going to do? You're going to go to the cross. And you're going to put your hands into the hands of wicked men. And you're going to let them do. And I'll be with you. And so the father was with Jesus. And as they're hammering the nails in, Jesus is still hearing the Father say, forgive them. And so there's the conversation, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And at the end, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's still going on, only now to the nth degree. The ways of Jesus were activated by his faith but that wasn't faith of Jesus in Jesus it was his faith in the father does that make sense so to in all your ways acknowledge him the act of knowing is to know I, I am I am inside of Christ and Christ is inside of me and that's one of the is-so's Right, you can't get there because you're there. It is so. It says God has placed us in Him. You were placed in Him before you were born. Ephesians one says. So it is so. If you ask Him, "Are you there?" He'll say, "I am." And that's the truth. So He is in us, and we participate. I wish there was a stronger word. That's a strong word for me, but it's not for everybody. Participate. But we participate. We are one with his relationship to the Father. That is, you don't become Jesus. Jesus doesn't, in that sense, become you. You don't lose yourself in Jesus. Use you. But I am now actively participating 
in his relationship to the Father. And it is so real, most of the time I feel it's mine completely. Well, it is. That's what I mean. I need a better word than participate, but uh, yeah, it's yielded. It's 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 submit in in a, a gentler way. Yield. Anyway, most of you were nodding there. I hope you were nodding. Um, it's. I I have that face to face relationship with the Father that Jesus has. And when the Father says, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, he says that to me too, because I'm sharing in, I'm yielded to that um, same relationship with Jesus. So we are sons of God, and I've told you that's not a gender. That doesn't mean masculine sons. It means the Son, and we are sons having the same relationship, but we don't become the Son. God the Father only has one Son, but we participate totally in His relationship to the Father. And so, as Jesus lived, that's, what doesn't it say in 1 John? As He is, so are we. And that's it. And in John 17, it says that we, we, y'all, might know the Father loves us in the same way as he loves Jesus. So acknowledge that word know, intimate, experiential, one with. It means union, no separation. You can't put a razor between, no separation. But it's always receiving. It's a union in which he's the giver, I'm the receiver. And it never quits. Which means, as I hinted at a moment ago, we receive the wisdom for this moment. But it doesn't become ours in the sense that I can now say to Jesus, well, thank you very much, I'll never have to ask you for this again. No, that's that's not deriving, you see. That... that, that would then I'm I'm getting more and more I'm getting more and more independent. It, then it becomes very human, like the teenager and the parents say it's about time you you know you're old enough now you've learned how to live so it's about time you got out there. No, the father never says that to us because we are always dependent. The the deriving the life, whatever you want to call it, that I have this morning, it doesn't last till next week. Um, it, it's like fish, it will stink by next week. It's no use. Um, your, your Christian life, you see, it's not something you get at a revival meeting and then it lasts for, it's moment by moment. I live what I see and hear Jesus doing so it's not what would jesus do because there i am all alone and he separated two thousand years ago no this is what are you saying what are you doing and and to learn to just be that and do it it might be carrying plates to the kitchen you know it's might be the kind of tip you leave a waitress what are you doing father it's Well, he shall direct your paths. 
thereby hangs another whole hour. But I won't, I won't, I won't. But it means to make straight. That's the exact meaning, um, make straight. But it also means without distraction. It's straight in that nothing got in the way. Uh, it has also the idea of joyful, peaceful. That doesn't mean there is no trouble or no frustration. It means that the grace you receive handles all of that. So you get the trouble and what could be frustration, but the peace of God carries you through. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that because that would be a shame to get halfway through it and then have to quit. So that, that's for another day. But um, enough to say what I just said. The last thing I want to say, and I've told you this before, in the Hebrew language, there is no future tense. You didn't know that? No. We've had whole things on that. Where were you? The, um, I, I can't imagine speaking a language that doesn't have a future tense. But the Hebrew language, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, I don't know about today, but the whole tent does have no future tense. We live by future tense. Religion actually would have to pack up shop if it wasn't for future tense. Because they always say, if you do this, if you do that, you'll get that. And, um, and it creeps into the language by will and shall. Um, but it's all total present tense. There was no future tense. Um, actually, the Hebrews lived by two tenses. One was the present tense, and the other was what they called a past imperfect, which meant a, something happened in the past, but it's not finished yet. And so it's imperfect. It, it's past. So they lived, if you could imagine it, they rode the boat of life with their back to the future. They, they they rode into the future, but they, they're back. And they were looking at what had happened in the past. And as he was, so he is. As he was, so he is. And so he is. And anything God says today, he speaks in the present tense. And, yeah, that's, I've told you, Young's literal translation of the Bible does that. He goes through the whole Old Testament in the present tense. Um so that means what I've been talking about this morning um, is all in the present tense as it was written. It doesn't say that if you will acknowledge him and if you will do this, then he will, though sometimes it could look like it in English, but it is simply saying, welcome to your life. This is, you know that, you, you remember that uh, TV show, This Is Your Life? Well, the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, this is your life. That all, all of this is now happening. It's now. It is. This is the way it is. And this is the way the Father is. This is the way the incarnate Son, Jesus, is. It is. It is. And this is the way the Holy Spirit is. You've just discovered how easy religion is because... Religion says you've got plenty of time to think about it because it won't happen to you yet. But when you, no, right now, right at this minute, trust in the Lord, in the I am, 
with all your heart. Lean not on the cane of your own understanding and opinions. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall make your path straight. See, there was shall make. That's not in the Hebrew. He is now making your path straight. Yeah. So, the plane is landed. And now the blessing, the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit embrace you, open your eyes, flood you with light, and cause you to walk all the days of your life in the depths of these truths. So I bless you and I declare that is the way it is. Amen. And amen.